Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details this is football social daily premier league podcast Welcome to Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast. The powder was damp at Anfield for Liverpool as they could only fire blanks against bitter rivals Manchester United. The cop was quiet as United pinched a point in a game that, let's be honest, had no real sparks at all. A Liverpool lapse means advantage Arsenal and Villa continue to tail the top two with another three points. An incident-packed weekend of Premier League action on the agenda today. So welcome to Football Social Daily. I'm Niall and joining me as always, the big man, little man duo of Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. I'll let you decide which is which. Morning, lads. Morning. Well, considering Joel is naturally the big man and then he also wore at the Christmas party some shoes to make him even taller. <laughs> like, I've never known a guy who's already over six foot wear shoes to make him taller. Like, that's, surely that's a little man syndrome thing of me. I should be doing that. I just wanted to emphasize our crouch to faux partnership. <laughs> World of a difference in terms of striking qualities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe the height's the same, the quality's probably not quite there. Now, before we begin today's show, boys, I just wanted to speak for all of us and say that we here at Football Social Daily want to extend our sympathies to Tom Lockyer. 
his family, his friends and his teammates after the Luton Town captain collapsed on the pitch during the weekend's Premier League game with Bournemouth. The game was abandoned with the score 1-1 shortly after the incident, as was agreed by both sides following Lockyer's collapse. And it was later confirmed that Tom had suffered a cardiac arrest. And you may remember that the Wales player underwent surgery in the summer for a heart issue after he also collapsed during the playoff final with Coventry at Wembley in May. And he was given the all clear after that surgery to continue playing. Luton Town have since released official statements confirming that Tom Lockyer is responsive, he's stable in hospital, and they're awaiting the results of tests before any next steps in terms of recovery are taken. The club have also expressed a desire for respect and privacy for Tom and his family at what's clearly a very difficult time for all at the club. So all three of us want to join the rest of the football family in wishing Tom well. And first off, boys, harrowing scenes at the Vitality Stadium on Saturday but also immense credit and respect must be given to those who are there, whether that's spectators, staff, doctors, even the managers, the players and the referee as well, in the way that they dealt with what was clearly a situation nobody wanted to be involved with, Marley. Yeah, no, um, you know, it, I sort of seen some of the footage back of, of the the uh, time where he went down and it was just like, you know, he goes down nowhere near the ball Um and the Bournemouth players were straight around him. I think the Bournemouth ones were the first to him because obviously as a striker uh, on the other side, you're looking where your defender is at all times in case the ball breaks. And I think it was uh, Phil Billing and Dom Solanke were straight over to him, knew something was going on. Um, and fair play to them for you know being prepared for that situation because that's, that's literally seconds away from, from the worst possible outcome, really. Um, and when you've, you know, you've been through what Tom, Tom Lockie's been through, it's like... The you know he had a close miss in May. It wasn't quite the same thing. Um, went through the surgery and stuff like that. I think, as, to the best of my knowledge, they didn't put a pacemaker in because I think because it wasn't quite a heart attack. It was like a uh, I think it was a, a murmur type thing, like an irregularity made his heart beat very very fast and then he collapsed. And obviously the pressure the pressure makes you collapse basically. But this was a full on same as Christian Eriksen in the Euros last um, you know eighteen months ago, whenever it was. So. Yeah, hopefully he can make a full recovery. It looks like he will, which is obviously all you can be hopeful for in this situation. But it looks like his playing days might be uh, might be over, which is the right decision, I suppose. You know, you can't be. It's not worth it. Looting in the Premier League is, is pales in comparison to what might have happened and what might happen if he continues to play on. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's sad, but it's also a close, close miss type of thing that. Yeah, you know, you're just happy that he's that he's well in the end. And it's also a reminder, Joel, that with all the pomp and circumstance and the glamour of the Premier League and the adulation that these players get, they are just human beings and they are treated like gods and idols in some quarters and understandably so. They are beamed around the world to thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people every single weekend. And incidents like this are a stark reminder that this can happen to anyone. doesn't matter what you are, who you are, or what you do. Yeah, they're not robots, are they? I think because of the amount of money they earn, it seems like everyone has a golden pass to just lay criticism on them and tell them to get on with it. And you play enough games, you earn this amount of money, so you need to carry on. But at the end of the day, they still bleed the same as everybody else. They're still human and they've still got difficulties as well. I'm not saying that's, that's associated with the amount of games played, but I mean... You just look at, for example, the Fabrice Muamba one years ago. 
Christine Eriksson one not long ago as well. And in each occasion, the medical staff have been absolutely on point in terms of ensuring that the right equipment's there and that they're on the scene very quickly. And he can only give you plaudits for that. But considering like what Marley just said, that it's kind of the second incidence now of something similar or an issue going on with that area. I really hope that, you know, he doesn't force his body into something that he'll you know, later regret because at the end of the day, you got one body for the throughout your entire life, and football goes into perspective when that sort of thing happens, which is why the game was abandoned. You can't ask players to continue when that sort of thing happens right in front of your eyes. Um, but yeah, best wishes to him, and hopefully he can make a full recovery. Yeah, absolutely, the right decision, Marley, to abandon the game. Credit to the referee and the players, and you just needed to see the emotion on the face of Rob Edwards, the Luton manager, to figure out that there was no possible scenario or circumstance in which that game could continue after what had happened to Lockyer. Yeah, no, it's a, it's the right decision, obviously. Like I said before, just some things are bigger than football. Like you know, Tom Lockyer and Rob Edwards have been together through through the years, through the divisions, known each other a long time, and you know he's Luton captain. And everything like that. So um, you've got that relationship. And, you know, even if it was just a randomer in the crowd, for example, you would still not want to play the game. Like somebody's just, you know, potentially lost their life right in front of you. It's not right to play a game. You know, whether there's an hour gone or 90 seconds, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, the game will obviously be, I think it's being replayed in full, um, which is the the early sort of rumour. But we'll, we'll let the Premier League come to a decision on that and, do what you want but as long as you've made the right decision at the time because we've seen like I say we've seen people not make it out of out of this um similar sort of situation which is never what you want to see especially with the the um billions of viewers around the world of the Premier League it's not it's not the right uh, thing to do and you mentioned Christian Eriksen earlier on obviously that's fresh in our minds from the Euros a couple of summers ago, Joel, where he collapsed whilst playing for Denmark and the Denmark and Finland players on the day formed a shield around their teammate and gave him that privacy and that respect. And that's something that Luton have said in a statement. They say they want Tom Lockyer's privacy to be respected. A lot of people will be asking whether he can play on, whether he's okay. And I think it is important that you let the family and those close to Tom be at peace at this moment in time to ensure that no further stress and no further harm is caused. And naturally, people will want to know if he's okay, which I think is a positive thing. But also, talk of whether he's going to be back fit and when he can, when he can play again, I think that's it's almost disrespectful in a way to start talking about that right now. Yeah, because like I said, it just puts it all into perspective. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a person, bottom line, who has a job to be a footballer. That's it. Footballer is just an extension of who he actually is as a person. And his family, I bet you right now, don't give a crap about what football is. They just want their husband, their son, their cousin to be perfectly on the mend again in terms of their health. I mean, but you look at Christian Eriksen, he had such a dire situation in the Euros and yet he's playing for Manchester United at the top level again. So there is some glimmer of hope. But then on the other side, you look at, for example, Sergio Aguero. He had to finish his career quite early while at Barcelona because he didn't want to risk his health. So I'm sure he'll have the best medical advice in terms of carrying on. But it is worrying that it's happened twice now, which shows that there is something quite underlying going on there. What they do now as part of medicals for transfers and they do it in pre-season as well is give everyone a heart screening to make sure that they're healthy and they're okay is once a year enough for that do you think Marley because we are seeing more and more players now 
having to give up as professional athletes due to issues with their heart. Now, this isn't the first time you mentioned the Christian Eriksen situation. There was also Fabrice Mwamba, who had an issue with his heart. Mark Vivian Floe, who sadly lost his life due to a heart condition whilst playing football, which is obviously as tragic as it gets. We're learning and understanding more about heart problems. So do you think that these heart screenings need to continue and increase in number, if anything? Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's once a year, then it should be okay. But the way I sort of think about it is, is there any harm doing it twice a year? Just do, do it every six months. You're not, you know, you're not very likely to develop something over the course of like between the six months type of thing. You know, I think obviously the earlier you catch it, the... Uh, if there's anything there, the earlier you catch it, the more treatable it is. And, you know, I think when clubs are looking after, you know, at the end of the day, multi-million pound assets, you know, just take a bit more care about looking into things. And, you know, even if it's a, a Premier League thing, you know, clubs have different budgets and whatever, and it might cost a lot of money to screen them. But maybe there could be something from the Premier League, like everybody has to be tested twice a year, like once at Christmas and once in uh, in the summer or whatever whatever it may be, but um, yeah, it's uh, it seems, I mean, it's going in the right direction, but things like this sort of accelerated a little bit. Like this is a, a guy at peak fitness, um, you know, he's not, he's not some huge bloke with high blood pressure and a, a terrible diet. He's, a, he's an athlete at the fittest he, he can possibly get really. Probably got about 4% body fat on him. Like he's in the gym all the time, trains all the time. Um, and when you're putting, when you're going through that sort of physical thing as well of, um, you know, that can put more pressure on your heart and, and things like that. So as long as you look after your, your players and your assets, if you want to sort of dumb it down to that level and, and make it that sort of inhumane, you know, you, you should do. And luckily they've, they've caught Tom at the right time. But like you say, there's been many times where they haven't caught a check to died a few years ago, died, just dropped dead on the training pitch and they couldn't. Couldn't get to him in time. Couldn't obviously it was a massive heart attack, and he was he was gone by the by the time they got to him. So, you know, it's um it's just something that we can hopefully stamp out. Well, our wishes at FSD are with Tom Lockyer and his family, wishing him a full and quick recovery back to health after the Luton captain collapsed on the pitch against Bournemouth at the weekend, and that Premier League game was abandoned with the score. At 1-1. We thought it was important to mention that on today's podcast before going any further. Next up on the show, though, we'll be doing our usual Monday feature of Get In The Seat. Anything that's wound up Marley and Joel over the weekend? We'll find out after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. And on a Monday, we always do this feature. It's called Get in the Sea. It's our chance to have a Monday moan about anything that's wound us up over the weekend's Premier League fixtures. So, Marley, Joel, you've had some thinking time. Who wants to go first? Who wants to start teeing off on what's wound them up over the weekend? Go on, Joel. I'll, I'll let you do it because I've I've got an extra. I've got a, an extra one as well, which comes from. Uh, the weekend. I feel like this could be a rare situation where all three of us might have the same get in the sea, which I think maybe has only happened once or twice in four or five years. I think it's coming from the same game. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we may as well talk about the things around the game because the game itself is not really anything to talk about, to be honest. <laughs> so we may as well just talk about what happened around it. Uh, for me, by absolute far and mile, Virgil van Dijk, what an absolute clown. The comments he made at the end of the game annoyed me so much. Annoyed Roy Keane so much. We're in the same boat with this one. Honestly, the entitlement he spoke with after that game was absolutely laughable. It's like him and Klopp are incapable of taking a little bit of accountability when a game doesn't go their way. If they can't win a game, it's never about the fact that they couldn't score a goal. It's never about the fact that they didn't play well. It's about the pitch, the referee, the opponents not playing to how they wanted to. It's everything but them. They are not the problem in this situation. For me, it just, honestly, I don't have enough adjectives to describe what he said. For anyone who's not seen it, he basically said, that Manchester United were buzzing for a draw, that, that there was only one team that played for the victory. I'm sorry, but United got beat 7-0 there last season. We've got the highest injuries in the league at the moment. What the hell did he want United to do? Come and play three at the back, open football, let us get bent over and let them do another double of 7-0 again. For me, it just it screams self-righteousness. It's like, do you want every team to just come to Anfield and literally bow down to you? Please, Mr. Van Dykes, go and score seven goals against us again because we love to get beat by that <laughs> amount. How about no? How about we need to get our season back on track? We need to defend with some structure and a little bit of, have a little bit of poise on the pitch com- compared to last season. So for me, Van Dyke, like Roy Keane said, absolute arrogance in his comments. Get in the sea, Virgil. Roy Keane, as you say, was the TV pundit for the game yesterday at Anfield between Liverpool and Manchester United. And as Joel rightly pointed out, did take umbrage to Virgil van Dijk's comments. You're spot on. The quotes are that he felt that Manchester United were buzzing with a point and there was only one team that tried to win the game. Daniel Sturridge was also the the counter argument in the studio, former Liverpool player, of course. And he said he didn't feel like Virgil van Dijk's comments were disrespectful. I mean, just to play devil's advocate here, I'm not saying whether I agree or I disagree. Do you think Virgil van Dijk has used that term, Manchester United are buzzing, because Liverpool bossed it in terms of statistics, shots, chances? No, he's projecting. Can I emphasize this? They had 34 shots 
and eight of them were on target. So 26 shots went away from Andre Onana's goal. Whose fault's that? Like, that's nothing to do with you. Actually, it is. It, United defended pretty well yesterday. I'm going to say that. They, they did. And in, in perspective yeah. as well, they had eight shots on target in the 7-0 and scored seven of them. Same as same as yesterday. So all the zero. more for not watching a game based on statistics. And Manchester United had the best chances of the game yesterday. We had a through on goal with Garnacho. Hoyland probably should have put his chance away. Liverpool were just completely wasteful. And he's projecting because Arsenal managed to get a win. They couldn't do it. I think they went into the game so complacent thinking we're going to roll these over and they're annoyed because they couldn't take the chances. Well, I think the crowd definitely thought that at Anfield. And I mentioned last week in my get in the sea, the atmosphere at Premier League games recently has been absolutely terrible. And I know it's coming up to Christmas, right? So people are saving money to spend on Christmas presents and it's a difficult time of year anyway, let alone with the cost of living crisis we've got in the UK where prices are soaring and it's not cheap to attend Premier League games. There wasn't a spare seat in the house at Anfield, apart from that small strip of the new stand that they only just opened for that game yesterday. So the seats were filled, but the atmosphere at Anfield, apart from the first 10 minutes, and this is something I raised last week and I said Liverpool fans will get on my case for this. I don't see how they can after yesterday's performance, Marley, because the atmosphere at this legendary stadium, this bare pit of a ground, Anfield, was completely flat. And I think maybe that plays into what Joel says. Because of the 7-0 last season, maybe Liverpool fans and those connected with the club were expecting them to completely roll Manchester United yesterday. Maybe. Um... I, d- I didn't watch the match. Um, you didn't miss anything, man. Live. Do you know what? I, I was stuck in the car and I missed the whole game. I was trying to get back from Oldham to my house, which is 23 minutes, and I got stuck in a traffic jam. Then I was, I was listening to the match and there was people in the group chat commenting and they were just like, this match is crap. And I was like, I'm not actually missing anything here, so I'm not really bothered. So I just sat there for a bit and then all well and good and I just went home and didn't even think about the match until I seen these comments. And I actually agree... <laughs> It was, it, it annoyed me, Roy Keane annoyed me by saying, oh, you know, we we wouldn't be that disrespectful to our, you know, uh, rivals. Well, Roy Keane's retort was Liverpool have won one title in 33 years, so they need to wind their necks in and think about where they've come from. Because his argument was that he'd been to Anfield in the past when Liverpool had been rubbish and had never treated them with the same disrespect. You have though, of course you have. If you go there and you're dominant over your rivals, you rub it in. That's football. Like that's that's the whole point. And he's like, Oh, you've won one title in thirty years. What? So are you unqualified to talk if you've only won one title? You've Man United have only won one title and since twenty thirteen. That's ten years. So if you if you apply the logic to both situations, it would just be no talking. It'd just Liverpool be one more Champions Leagues as well, so he's unqualified to comment. Exactly. It'd just be a most vanilla game <laughs> ever. It'd be like, oh, never mind, lads, we beat you this time. Like, better luck next time. That's not football. You want you want the needle, you want that horrible like um rubbing it in type of thing. Newcastle play Sunderland on the sixth of January. If we beat them, which we should, because they're a, you know, they've been a League One team for the past seven years and then now just in the championship, it would be like relentless sort of, you know, banter about it. And it, some of it will probably cross the line, but it is what it is. Yeah, but rubbing in what? Rubbing in what? That they didn't win. Well, that's, say that's the thing, but that is... that is. Like, congrats on your 34 shots. It gets you no more points than us. I know, but that's, so that's why I, I see both sides of it. Like Van Dijk was, was probably... Uh, he was bitter. Honestly, bit, he yeah, was bitter. bitter. He was so bitter. He couldn't accept the fact that they couldn't put the ball in the net because they weren't good enough. Well, if we, we know Liverpool are terrible 
I mean, the, the terrible losers, but the terrible winners sometimes, Liverpool. And now the terrible drawers because they've true. <laughs> <laughs> and they're still having a go at them. But I sort of get it. I get it from, from, from both sides, to be honest. Like, what, Van Dyke was probably out of, uh, out of line saying this whole, oh, they're, they're buzzing with a point. But that's what you do about your rivals, like, you know, to sort of feed your own ego a little bit. But yeah, I get it. I mean, uh, yeah, and also Thank Klopp you. said after the game to paraphrase that this was an easier game than the seven nil. <laughs> no, it I'm wasn't. sorry. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I cannot even describe the arrogance of that comment. Well, come they on, are then, Joe. To, oh. Are you buzzing with a nil nil? I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent. I was I, no Man United fan went into that game yesterday with any hope whatsoever. Yeah, but you'd have all took a draw. Oh, I'll take a draw. I'm not buzzing about it. I'm buzzing that we managed to not flipping concede a goal. I'm buzzing that we actually managed to have a bit of structure to our play. Yeah. But the fact that he's going on is if we're just celebrating a draw. No, we're not celebrating a draw at all. If anything, they're trying to project the fact that they weren't good enough. Jurgen Klopp's trying to stick the needle in with his typically bitter post-match press conferences where he blames everything but his team. Like, Let's not forget, this is a man who blamed the, the cut of the grass. He blamed the wind. Like, come on, let's, let's smell the coffee here. This guy is not immune to finding any kind of excuse in the air to detract from his team's performance. Arsenal have rattled them at the weekend. They knew, and because Manchester City drew as well, they knew this was a chance to capitalise. They thought they were, they were going to capitalise and they didn't realise that Man United would be quite solid defensively. That's the reason why they're so bitter about it. And you know what? I'll celebrate that. So if you're throwing in Roy Keane and you're throwing in Virgil van Dijk, I should complete the set by throwing in Daniel Sturridge or the presenter from Sky Sports or something like that. <laughs> but instead, I'm going to throw Michael Oliver. Oh my God. Talk your talk, Niall. Into the talk seat. your talk. He could have easily gone in strapped next to Virgil van Dijk like well, he's Houdini. I'll tell you why. I thought Michael Oliver actually refereed the game really well until the 87th minute. Everyone's seen it. Diogo Dallo, who I thought actually had a pretty good game. He rushes back and gets shoulder to shoulder with Salah. And when Salah's running towards your box, you know that that spells trouble. So Dallow in the 87th minute is still putting the work in, still putting the effort in, goes shoulder to shoulder, gets the touch, touches it onto Salah and Salah pokes the ball out for a throw. Diogo Dallow runs over, picks the ball up, goes to throw it. Michael Oliver's got his arm out the other way, gives it a Liverpool throw. Dallow loses his head, completely loses his head, right? And I don't think anyone can argue about the first yellow boys. When he's like punching the air in frustration, shouting, screaming. He then continues his tantrum. And Michael Oliver, without even putting his yellow card away, two yellows for the same thing in about eight seconds. I just do not understand this. It is bad refereeing. Diogo Dallo has reacted to a poor mistake from the referee at a crucial time of the game in a match full of emotion and frustration between two big rivals. And he gets sent off. And the worst bit about this whole thing is because it's two yellows, Manchester United cannot appeal the red card because it is two yellow cards, which you cannot appeal. And so Diogo Dallo will have to be suspended because of a mistake Michael Oliver made and then arrogantly booked him twice because the player argued the toss. Honestly, it is pure petulance that Michael Oliver acted on emotion. It ruined the game for yeah. me. The game was bad enough as it is, but it ruined the game. He acted on emotion in that second. He didn't even think about the rules or the context. He literally acted on a personal emotion the fact that he booked Diogo Dallo who then he didn't even face Michael Oliver in the second action he almost just faced away just in annoyance it's not like he swore at him or anything like that and let's not forget earlier on in the game 
uh, Darwin Nunes did the exact same thing where he shouldered Johnny Evans, got a yellow for it, fair enough. He then kicks the ball away, no yellow card. And he then claps the referee in a sarcastic tone. Nothing happens to it. The, I think the reason why is because of the time of the game at the time of which he did it. He probably thought this will affect the game too much, so I'm just going to let it slide. The fact that it was the 87th minute and Michael Oliver's clearly took some personal offence to Diogo Dallo being annoyed at his crap decision, by the way. And the fact that Michael Oliver won't miss the next game, but Diogo Dallo will miss the next game is absolutely unforgivable. All we're asking as football fans is a little bit of consistency. We've seen it with, for example, VAR and the fact that it, for one action it'll give an offside, for another action it won't give an offside. Referees in that moment for Michael Oliver, he's gone against what being a referee is and he's acting on pure personal emotion. A, a little individual vendetta in that moment, for me, that's unforgivable. And the fact that he can't appeal is just even more frustrating. And I know what some of the referees listening to this might think. It doesn't matter that Michael Oliver made the decision wrong. The reason he was booked was for his reaction and he reacted twice. And so therefore... You know, you can understand it, but it's just the reason he reacted like that is because the decision. But even, yeah, you're right. He didn't react twice. It's one big reaction. Whereas Nunes does does three things, which foul, kick it, and then clap. There's at least three situations in this one incident for me, which is the Nunes situation, which you'd imagine there was a precedent set there where, okay, he's not booking Nunes twice. So why should he do it to Dallow? 80 minutes later in the game, which I totally agree with. Secondly, two yellows for one big reaction. I'm with you there as well, Marley. And thirdly, the reason he's reacted like that was because he was provoked by the referee indirectly from a bad decision. If the decision is given United's way, which it should have been, Diogo Dallo doesn't react. And you also need to take into consideration the context of the game. And Michael Oliver is, as Jamie Carragher said, I think one of the best referees in the Premier League. But he made a mistake and Diogo Dallo now has to serve a suspension because Michael Oliver made a mistake. And yes, the referees listening to this will be like, yeah, but he's booked him not because of the mistake, because of his reaction to the mistake. But if yeah, the but mistake- reaction comes from the, from <laughs> exactly. the mistake. Exactly. Exactly. So. It's, it's, a, oh, it's a weird one. But yeah, it's that thing as well. Like we've got VAR, which can spot, you know, a, a toenail being offside, but we can't use it in situations like that where you don't have to stop and go to VAR. VAR can just be in your ear saying, Michael, that's came off Salah. Give it, uh, give it to Man United. Like that can be cleared up so quickly. Whereas I get that fouls are subjective and whatever, but ball going out of play is black and white because it because you've got so many camera angles that you can see that it comes off Dallow's side foot and then Salah's toe. So it easily comes off him and and is easily um a Man United ball. But you know, I don't think you, you can't you can't book a player twice for the same thing, um, in my opinion. However, it did happen in my Sunday league game yesterday. It was bizarre that one of our lads had a go at the ref because he gave a terrible decision. Um, and he booked him twice, literally almost exactly the same situation as this, booked him twice, but then the free kick he gave it for, uh, so the free kick he gave after he, after he showed him his second yellow card, the free kick was taken, and as the ball was in the air from the free kick, he blew for full time. So I went to the ref afterwards, I shook his hand, and I went, why have you sent him off there when the, ball, when the game is literally done? I said, he's now got to pay 50 quid 
for saying you, you made a bad decision. So now our striker has to pay 50 quid on the eve of Christmas. <laughs> and he was just going to blow the whistle. I said, why don't you just let the game finish? And he was like, you can't say what you said to me. And I said, what did he say to you? And he was like, he, he said I made a bad decision. I was like, if you're a Sunday league ref making a bad decision, and you know, having such thin skin <laughs> over a, a bad decision. Somebody said, oh, ref, you're crap and whatever. And he's, he's, mate, he sent him off and Mitch is like, I've got to pay 50 quid now for God's sake. And we're like, yeah, well. If you were to see a Sunday league referee job application form, the top one is you must have thick we had, skin. We, we, had, we had a ref come over to us in pre-season and he said to us, you can call me any name under the sun. I've heard it before and probably from my wife. He said, you can call me anything you want. It doesn't matter. As long as you don't get physical and aggressive, like too much, I'm not bothered. And then he said it. And then I think he said, if you want to get physical and aggressive, we can have it. And it was like, yeah, fair enough. That's a Sunday league ref. The usually <laughs> better ones are the intimidating ones. But this guy was just, it was crazy. But well, do you know what? Talking about refs has reminded me of a time when I was playing Sunday league about maybe 10 years ago or something um, in the summers between uni semesters, we used to get ourselves together for a few Sunday league matches. And I remember being on the bench for one game. One of our lads got sent off, two yellows sent off. Didn't look like he did anything. So it must've been something he said to the referee and our lad comes off, rips his shirt off, fuming. What have you been sent off for? He said, I said, oh my God, ref. So what do you mean? You said, oh my God, ref, surely he hasn't sent you off for that. And he went, yeah, he did. And the bloke next to me turned around and went, ref's a vicar. <laughs> ref was a local vicar. Absolutely blasphemy. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't say that, sorry. <laughs> Jesus, oh my God, ref, yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, you. Two yellows. Two One yellows, you're two yellows right there. Um, and that, before we, and this is dragged on a bit, this, this section, but why not? My um my my ad my additional get in the sea was from uh, was from my wife who was watching I was I was watching match of the day in bed last night. Wait, right? you putting your wife in the sea or no? You well, mean something she said. No, she's got to look after the kid in a few months while I well I swan <laughs> off and do podcasts. Um no um so we, I was watching match of the day two in bed last night. Um and she was uh playing on her phone or whatever and then she looked up as we, as I was watching the um, Wolves game against West Ham. And she managed to look up at just the, the three perfect times when all West Ham's goals went in, plus the time where I think somebody hit the post. I think it was um, oh. Bowen hit the post and Bentley was like looking the other way, the goalkeeper. And she just went, that Wolves goal is crap. <laughs> and I was like, funnily enough, you've actually stumbled onto something there because he's second choice. He doesn't normally play. She was like, I really like his kit because he's wearing bright pink. Um, and he was, but she, he's rubbish. Him, he's terrible. They, they should just drop him. I don't, then the third goal went in where Bowen it goes in. He, he can do better for it. And she went, he's made another mistake there. He should have saved that one as well. And then she was a simple game. I know. Then she she woke up a little bit later. I think she nodded off. She woke up, and uh, as she looked up, it was Allison saving that shot from Hoyland. Um, in the Man United Liverpool game, and she went, "See, he's a good goalkeeper." And I was like, uh, f- "Funnily enough, you 
he's actually one of the best in the world. Like people say he's the best goalie in the world. So your analysis is absolutely spot on there. Get her on the podcast. Get I, her on. <laughs> I said I'll mention this on the podcast tomorrow and people will be like, oh, she should replace my <laughs> Maybe she should. We'll put a vote in the Telegram group. <laughs> your fate is going to be decided. I'll get stitched up there. <laughs> All right, nice one, boys. That's it for Football Social Daily today. We'll be back again tomorrow where we're going to look at the Champions League draw for the Premier League sides. Today also marks a year since Lionel Messi lifted the World Cup for Argentina and the end of the tournament in Qatar so tomorrow we're going to look at what legacy that's left a year on and whether people will remember it more fondly or less fondly than they anticipated going in to the tournament there are also as we lead up to Christmas some midweek Premier League fixtures the festive schedule is firmly upon us so make sure you hit subscribe or follow and that way you won't miss an episode again but from myself Marley and Joel that is it for today's FSD we'll speak to you on tomorrow's see you then Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.